and welcome to Connected Conversations for Creatives, a place where creatives like you can learn, grow, and connect. I'm your host, Jennifer Carr. Creativity, advocacy, and the desire to make a lasting impact are three distinct concepts, each powerful in its own right. However, when they intersect, they create a potent force for positive change that can reshape the world as we know it. This convergence of ideas and actions has the potential to inspire innovation, ignite social change, and leave a lasting impact on society. This dynamic and transformative space where innovative ideas, passion, and meaningful change merge is where artists become activists, where advocacy becomes an art form, and where creative solutions drive progress. Lillian Brummett is dedicated to making a positive impact through her creative work, with a portfolio of books on Amazon, each revolving around the theme of making a difference. She shares her journey and insights into various aspects of creativity and advocacy. Her poetry series, for example, dives deep into life's questions while offering moments of humor. The Green Living Guidebooks promote sustainability in business and daily life, and her cookbook tackles food waste while promoting local and seasonal produce. She also guides fellow authors on frugal and effective book marketing through a marketing guidebook. Beyond her books, her commitment to change extends to her services, her blogs, and social media. And without further ado, I would like to welcome Lillian to today's show. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm really pleased to be here and to reach out to your audience. And I love the concept of your show. Huge passion of mine as well. So woohoo! I'm looking forward I'm to excited. today's conversation. Yes, me too. I'm really excited because Good. we um, we took on a goal about my husband and I and our daughter. We took on a goal about five and a half years ago to live a more self-sustaining life. Now we are um, still a work in progress. We are still like just kind of easing our way into it because it is a huge process and a huge just life change in general. When you go from living in the suburbs and you know a, a homeowners association and then you move out into this rural area and you start adding animals to the farm and attempting your hand at gardening, you're like, wow, that's it's it's a lot. And you kind of take for granted what goes into it because you don't realize what it takes to sustain a family. And so when I saw your work, I thought, ooh, I'm being a little selfish here because this is for me, but I also think there are lots of other people who will benefit from it because I think it's a mentality that we're moving into that, you know, we don't need to be as reliant on everybody else and everything else when we have the ability, even in smaller ways, to take responsibility for our own lives. Absolutely. You know, what you're talking about here brings back so many memories of maintaining those driveways and, oh my goodness, and the winters of shoveling and the you know, making a path out to the animal pen so you can get out there in the early mornings of the winters. And there's so much behind the scenes that people don't realize, you know, getting enough wood in for your fireplace or your stove for the winter and things like that to help supplement your heat. Like there's so much when you're living as rural as you are with a farm and everything behind the scenes of just, you know, I think people think, oh, you go out there and you pet your your animals and everything's so beautiful and lovely and you skip out there in your white lace dress and <laughs> You know, it just isn't like that. It's a lot of hard work behind the scenes and making everything happen. And it's a real commitment. So congratulations for doing that. I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. And tell us a little bit about your journey into the self-sustaining, you know, livability and that kind of thing. And just how you want to use your creativity to, to make mm -hmm. this impact as well. Well, gosh, you know, it's a long journey, a really long journey. I'll tell you where I am today. So today we live in the region that we used to go camping and vacationing in. We used, to, it was local, relatively local, about, you know, eight to 10 hour drive, depending on where we lived before to get to this place and have our, our peace, our moments of Zen, right? Well, now we live here. We made that decision. So, so there was a few things that happened in our life that led up to us deciding that we're no longer waiting for the golden moment because right now is the golden moment. Right now, this moment, this exact moment right here. And so we try to live that way, that this is our golden moment every day, every moment moving forward. And so we made that decision. We just sold our house. We picked, packed up our little camping trailer. We moved out to the area after coming back and forth a few times and, and choosing a place to relocate to, you know, sold our, our very first home uh, and had just enough 
to, to get into our, our home here. We had no job. We had to start our business all over. We just had faith in ourselves. We knew we had the ability to do this. We also knew that we didn't have, we didn't carry around false pride. So we were able to work any job that it took in order to make our dream come true. And so we came here with that mentality. We didn't come here with expectations, unrealistic uh, expectations. Now, when we first moved to this community, we were also trying to relaunch our business out here once we got you know settled into the home. And that also meant that we needed to be within a, a, a location that our students and clients could come to. So we chose not to live outside of city limits. However, we have what is thought of as a double lot is the size of our property. And so the very first thing we did before we even emptied boxes, we had basically moved in, brought a suitcase in so we could spend the night. The very first thing I went out and did is I started a compost bin because the building of soil is primary for every property that you move to because the health of all of your plants your lawn, whatever it is that you're growing, depends entirely on the health of your soil. So if your soil isn't healthy, you're constantly amending it and working it and trying to dump things into it organically, hopefully, and uh, you end up putting in way more work than is necessary. So we started how we meant to continue, which was right away, start building that soil the day we moved in. So we had come from a farming background in childhood. We had, we had experimented with gardening as a young couple. Dave and I have been together for about 34, 35 years, something like that and um so as a young couple we had small little gardens little balcony gardens rental guard you know home gardens and things like that um eventually expanding and growing as our experience grew uh over time we've we've run we ran a spa that had 15 acres we ran a 40 acre farm we ran uh we helped my parents run their five acre hobby farm market garden um you know so we've we've had a level of uh both uh, growing the food and also serving it to clients, you know, when you have workshops and you have 17 or 20 people that you're feeding and stuff like that. So uh, we got to experiment and really play with a lot of things. And I feel so privileged that I was exposed to so many amazing resources out there, so many amazing people willing to share their help freely, their ideas, their tips, um, all the magazines, the news, news, uh, e-newsletters in the gardening realm, all of that kind of thing. I was a voracious reader and studier of those things. And because of that, I was able to evolve and take on those positions and evolve to where we are now. You know, we grow about 70% of our food, our fruits, nuts, and vegetables right here on this double acre lot. Uh, we have, there's not one inch of the property outside the fence or inside the fence that has not been worked by us. <laughs> And so it's been a long journey, a 13-year journey on this property, but it's been awesome, really awesome. I love that. And it's and it's one of those things that you had a you had a dream, you had a passion, and then you worked to make it a reality, which I think is something that we need to keep in mind that you know these 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 dreams don't come true just by dreaming them and sitting back and hoping for the best. Like you had you had to put in the work, you put in the blood, sweat, and tears and and, and you made it a reality and it and then has paid off clearly. Absolutely. You know, it, it actually began after after I lost my first business and I'd been running that for about six years. And so even though we had some of this mentality in place, it didn't actually blossom until that tragedy happened in my life. That tragedy took my business away. I lost my business and that was heart wrenching for me. I lost my independence. Now I'm a dependent on Dave. I'm partially disabled. Right. So I had to like come to terms with that and re reevaluate my life. You know, I hit hard. I hit depression hard multiple times. I mean, you're dealing with chronic pain. You're dealing with all of these appointments. I mean, it's just, it's crap. It's all crap. Right. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. you, you get really, really depressed about it. And so I had to rethink my life and decide, okay, well, 
all that work I put into, you know, being on my own when I was 14, putting myself through school, building up my own business, and then to have it taken away from me because of a careless driver, right? So I felt like, why, why did I go through all of that? What was the purpose? You know, and I was so depressed that I felt like I was undermined, you know, the efforts were all undermined and just ruined and taken away. Like, I, 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 I think that people who go through other types of tragedies, like, you know, earthquakes and floods and things like that, they feel a similar way. All, you know, they've built up their property, their homes, and to have it all taken away. Well, what, why, and what now, you know, sort of frame of mind, right? And so we decided at that point, uh, I decided that in order for me to want to go forward in life, because I didn't at that time, I was thinking I had to feel like my everyday, my moment had to have some kind of positive impact and have a reason and give value of my of being alive that day uh, to to earn. I, I almost felt like I had to earn the fact that I was alive that day. I had to pay back, but I also wanted to feel fulfilled, like there was a reason for me to be there that day. And so I started out on that journey, sort of stumbling along and finding my way from there. But that was the catalyst. So sometimes tragedy and dark depression can be the catalyst to launch us into onto a new path that we weren't on before that is going to really benefit us and those around us too. Definitely. And I, and I think that is something, there's something so deep and just, and moving there to think, you know, the, the people who are successful are the ones who take, especially after tragedy are the ones who take that tragedy. They find the gratitude in it and they use it to drive them forward. And, and, you know, it wasn't, and maybe, maybe you did feel that you need to earn, you know, your, your, your next day, but at the same time, how, how much gratitude did you feel that I've been given this next day? I have this opportunity mm-hmm. and and you have used that to make a difference, not just for yourself, but for so many others, which, you know, you have, you share, you know, with your creativity and your writing and your books and your guidebooks and that kind of thing, um, which let's, let's talk talk about that like how did okay. how did the creativity you know aspect pour into where did the writing start and how did you get into writing books because i think you know that's one of the ways that you have um shared your purpose is through your writing uh thank you yes um well you know i i was i was taking some courses through the local colleges at the time where they were doing personality evaluations how does your personality and your current you know passions and beliefs uh tie into what they project as being available jobs in the next five years, because there's the education before you get the job, right? So Mm -hmm. I thought that was really, really helpful for me. Writing kept on coming up, it kept on popping up. And in my head, I'm like, no way, you know, no way can I be little me, who's gonna listen to me as a voice out there? How can I contribute to the, what, 80 billion books out there in the world? And how am I gonna, you know, stand out? What kind of value could I have? And so I didn't really play into that, even though it kept on, you know, all these signs, universe, you know, saying hello. And I just, nope, you know, nope. I just, you know, I had my own thoughts, my own um, ideas. But then my husband, uh, who had been, you know, playing, he, he he's a musician. So he's he's written songs and lyrics and um, which is really poetry put to music. And he was doing short stories, uh, writing down his dreams to, you know, uh, create short stories out of and stuff like that. And he was doing that just as a hobby. Uh, here and there as inspiration struck him and he started taking a course that taught not the writing process but how to be a writer as a business which I just dove right into because you know I'm from a business mindset at that point right so I was like oh yeah let's dig into this how do we do this and so it taught like behind the scenes how do you keep records you know how do you know that you know three months ago you sent out this article it's now time to either follow up on that or if it if they're not going to use it I need to submit it to someone else and so you have this constant flow of these alerts coming up and how do you set all that up and it was this whole thing about how do you be a freelance writer and so during all of that 
it's it assigned us this this uh, project, which was to come up with an article that could be con developed into uh, a series, a column. And so my very first article was celebrated by the school and they were like, you've got to submit this as a column, as a column idea to some publications. So I did. So my very first project, I ended up becoming a columnist <laughs> and then a syndicated columnist. And that was the Trash Talk project, and which devolved into the book series that you see on Amazon today. Uh, there I was covering green living, like how to run your business as a green person, how to reuse, repurpose. Uh, there's about 12 R's actually before um, before considering the landfill. And so um, we talked about all of those and covered all these things. And uh, that was my first introduction into writing that aligned with my passion for creating positive change with these little tiny ripples, little tiny droplets, little mistlets of mine out there, um, helping in this wave, this global wave of, of, of turning towards positive movement, which we're seeing everywhere now. Back then in the 90s, it was just starting to, you know, really get noticed. I mean, it was always quietly been happening, but it was just starting to become like a cultural thing, you know, a wave that uh, really got embraced. So it was really interesting that I was in at that time and was able to do that. My very first job as a uh, was as a staff writer for a little Russian magazine. And then my second job was working for a local biweekly newsletter, print newsletter. It was really popular. It was went all over the surrounding communities and you know around the city as well. And um, and I would do I would be assigned things, so I would have to go and interview different people. And so I talked with the editor, telling them this was kind of my passion. And they said, you know, it would be really neat is if we highlighted people who were living this life. And so I got exposed so early on in my career to interviewing people who around the community who were doing something with their business to make a difference or they were doing some kind of alternative agriculture or maybe they are they chose to run their farm to help with wildlife rehabilitation so they might be a wolf breeder they might be a bison breeder they might be bringing working with rare breeds organizations and helping them save breeds from extinction or you know, there's so many different things that were going on that I got exposed to this, this massive mushroom growing operation that was father and son run and going through their system with all these different mushrooms. And so I mean, it was so cool getting exposed to all of these people. And I think it helped me mentally, not just career wise, getting on this, you know, road to being a writer, but it helped me mentally uh, stay out of the rut of depression, which I tended, you know, I tend to fall back into occasionally. Um, it helps, it helped me keep out of that because all of a sudden I'm exposed to all of these bright lights in the community, unsung heroes that I had no idea about. Even though I had my fingers in those worlds and was kind of exposed and a little bit connected, I had no idea any of that was going on. And so it to me, I was like, wow, you know, the world is not so dark. It's, you know, not so laden with problems as we are led to believe or we allow ourselves to believe because we accept that belief system right so uh when we allow ourselves to believe that, that oh it's so much awful and trouble and there's so much going on and then you realize actually how wonderful it is how many people are out there doing incredible things every single day so that became a passion for me to start highlighting these individuals have a conversation with my neighbor what are they doing to make the world a better place how you know if they're a volunteer I want to talk to them about their volunteer experiences and I want to celebrate that with other neighbors I'm going to say hey you know my did you know our neighbor right so I'm going to I'm going to celebrate these things verbally and with my writing and with my posts online and to me helping to like shine a light on those 
those people, those activities has become like a, like a goal of mine, a passion of mine. You'll see it everywhere. You'll see it on my blog, on my Facebook posts in everything that we do as a business, um, because I'm just so fascinated by it. And so appreciated of, of all of this stuff that's going on. And if only we opened our eyes, you know, turned off the news, maybe <laughs> put down that newspaper and that fashion mm -hmm. magazine and started thinking and, and having conversations with real people about real things that are happening. You'll realize that the world is not so dark and that there there's so much wonderful things happening and and we can play a role in that too if all we do is share the post about the events that are happening in our community i mean if that's all we do we're still playing a role right so there's so much we can do yes and and we could just end the show there and be like okay let's go do something because i'm like fired up here I'm like let's go let's get a difference and talk to people no, that's great um i think and i think what happens a lot of times is the reason that the bad news always gets the spotlight for so long is because it makes us ask all of these questions like, oh, what was me? What am I going to do next? What do we do in this case? But, you know, when the good news is out there, we're like, oh, yay, good for them. But it's not happening. We don't feel like it's happening for us directly. And I think, you know, that's because we have distracted ourselves. We're behind our screens all the time. We're, you know, in, mm -hmm. in the, the gossip magazines and we're not looking for the good because, I mean, we can all think of something, an inspiring story that we've read or we've heard and we, we remember how it made us feel. Why don't we chase after that? But we don't for some reason. We get so bogged down and we just let the bad news overtake us and so yeah I can I totally um I'm envious of all of the the things you've had your hands in and now it makes me want to go out and do something so oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you are by running this podcast you know you're highlighting people who are doing wonderful things and they're willingly sharing their skills and their resources and their their tips to your audience and that is huge I, I ran a radio show too for about 10 years and it reached internationally and I had about 30,000 listeners a month so it had grown to that. It took a while to grow to that, but it had grown to that. I loved running that show three times a week, one hour a show. And that same thing, interviewing people from around the world and learning about what they're doing and, and celebrating their volunteer activities or whatever it is that they're doing. It is so incredible, so inspiring to just be connected to that, to be plugged yes. into that as a host, right? It just feels amazing. Yeah. It does. And and honestly, that is the only reason that I even considered starting this podcast was because I wanted to provide a platform where people could network and connect, you know, to find the resources they need, because that's, that's what I like doing is saying, oh, you have a problem. Let's see if I can solve it this way. And, you know, because I am a problem solver, like I am, I don't want to say that I'm a people pleaser, but I kind of am. And the fact that I want to see everybody happy and I want to meet those needs for people when they have them. And so um, that was, that was really, and it was kind of selfish too, because I was on the beginning of my self-publishing journey and I was like, I need resources, but I also realized I'm probably not the only one. So I'm not going right. to just keep them to myself when I find them. And so, yeah. <laughs> so yes, especially when you're on the initial journey too, because you get to, you're a student, right? You're part of, you're in this university now and you yes. get to ask the questions that you're looking for, but also that your audience is looking for. And so that can be an amazing experience. Absolutely. It yes. is. It's very, it's freeing and it's, and it's satisfying all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your books. How many books do you have out now and on Amazon and all your other platforms? All right. So uh, right now today, there are six books available on Amazon. Um, and the, the first one that we were talking about earlier is the Trash Talk series, right? It's a two book series. And it, the first book takes you alphabetically through things that are commonly found in your office or home bins. And it, looks at alternatives to those items. What can we reuse something so we no longer have to purchase that item? 
Um, can we look at reconsider as a consumer? We can maybe purchase something that has more of a longer life, so we're producing fewer of them. We can look at our local community and see what kind of take back programs, return programs, mail-in programs, recycling programs. Uh, there's reuse programs where you can take items that have some reuse potential still in them, and people can go go to those sites and freely take from them. There's all kinds of things that we can look at. There's also ways of looking at that disposable item and saying, well, can someone else use this? Do I know someone who runs a workshop that could use this as a pot to rinse their, their paintbrushes out of or whatever? So we're reconsidering everything, every level of it, before we, we hand it off to the recycling or the landfill, before we say, okay, you deal with it. We're taking responsibility for it and we're finding new uses for it. And so in doing that, we're also benefiting our community. When we look into, say, uh, teachers, you, you get into a group of teachers or, or like, say, a Facebook group that uh, were, uh, is, is for local teachers in your area, you might be able to put a call out on that and say, is anyone looking any, for anything for their classes, for their class projects? And they'll list, they'll, they'll send you a whole list of stuff. We need paper cups, we need uh, plastic cups, we need this, we need that for our projects. And it happens to be something that you're able to contribute. So there's all kinds of things that we don't realize that are out there that we can use our so-called waste to benefit the community, as well as live a more green lifestyle and save a heck of a lot of money. So that was the first book. The second book kind of goes a step farther. Okay, we're going to roll up our sleeves, right? <laughs> we're going to look at composting. We're going to look at like, you know, saving energy around the homes. We're going to look at how you can run your uh, appliances more efficiently, what kind of maintenance is involved in order to make them run more efficiently, a variety of different things like that. We also cover things like go a little farther. There's a chapter in there, one of my favorites, it's called Clean Walking. And Dave and I, for about 25 years of our relationship before my old body started breaking down, uh, we used to go camping and, you know, cycling and all kinds of activities uh, on the lakes and on the trails. And in doing so, we made a project of taking along that shopping bag or two or three, loading up our pockets with them crumpled up and ready to pick up litter along the way. And we made a goal of filling at least one of those before we came home. So we didn't go home until it was full. And so that became like a little fun family project. And uh, we ended up doing that for a long period. It's called clean walking. And we encourage that. We talk about the various things that we found during that, like you're canoeing and all of a sudden you find a snorkel, you know, all this stuff like that we found was just incredible. Lots of toys and things that we were able to wash and then donate back to a thrift store who sells them, raises funds for the local community and then saves a family, uh, extends their budget, right? So little things all along the way that we can reconsider as we're out there doing things. We have another section in there that is for vacationings, reconsidering your vacations, the impact of your vacations, how you can use your vacations to create positive change, et cetera, and so forth. So there's a lot in there in that regard. Um, we have another series that's a poetry series. It's called Playing With Words. It's exactly what it, poetry is for me. It's uh, it's the art. It's putting color on the canvas. It's It's capturing moments and in a very short space, showing how bright and how intense that moment was. And so it can be very difficult to do, but very uh, playful and um, intense and creative use of words. And I just I just love that part of, of the writing career. We also have a book for writers, it's a guidebook. And so it basically walks people through the process of being a writer. All my business knowledge from my first business and then everything we've learned in, in Dave and I in running this business for about 20, six years or something like that, you know, taking it from one community to another as we moved, relaunching it, all these, you know, each time um, and how we overcame challenges and all of that knowledge is packed in there. 
So right from the beginning, you'll learn how to start out your business plan. What is an action plan? What is the succession plan? How do you handle your taxes? How do you handle your queries? What do you do if those kinds of things? Then it goes on to, okay, now you have a book. Now what? So walks you through how to market that book for the life of that book. Now that book, you're going to have a contract with your pub. If you're going with traditional publishers, you're going to have a, a contract for about two years. Usually it's about two years. You, the, you have the option sometimes of renewing that contract. Typically, once that two-year program uh, contract is up, the publisher is looking at newly published books. They're not wanting to put energy into a backlist. And so you have to then do something with that book. Are you going to rewrite it? Are you going to release it in a new edition? Are you going to split it into two books? Are you going to uh, go with another publisher? Are you going self-publish? Are you going in different formats that you haven't experimented with before? So it walks you through all of that and all of the different marketing that goes on behind the scenes. It encourages you to space out these things because it's packed, like it's a 400 page book, right? <laughs> it's packed, but it tells you, you don't have to do all this all at once. So create a plan, an action plan that works for your schedule and space out the activities. So let's say you're working on the chapter of reviews, you wanna get reviews for your first edition of your book. Um, when you go about doing that, your life of your book for that first edition is maybe two years. So you wanna space out that activity for two years. You don't wanna just spend the first three months doing nothing but, and then ignoring everything else or something, right? So or exhausting that and you know not being able to use that again. So we want you to space it out. We want you to uh, be able to handle this in a, in, a, in a way that you can both market your book and run your business as a writer, because once you have a book or an article, you're a writer, you're a career, you're a business. So how are you, how are you gonna handle all of that? At the same time as you've got some other things you want to write, you know, that you're working on. And so you have to be able to balance that. So work-life balance, we help them through that, uh, working with the spouse, working with publishers, what-if scenarios, all of that is in there. So our entire experience is in there, all ready for them to go. The Lately, I've been really growing my e-commerce, uh, e-store, um, Amazon ads, Facebook ads. I've been really growing that part of my life now that that is more intense. Um, section that I'm working on. And so when we do a new edition, we're going to be be able to improve that part of the book that, you know, grow that part of the book. But uh, it's just an incredible treasure. I encourage people to, to pick that up. And of course, the other book is the cookbook, which recently came out. And that one, just amazing, you know, uh, when it came out, normally when you have a book release, you have about a 90 day launch period. And then after that, it's called the honeymoon period in the industry. And so this is when you're utilizing all your current contacts or the contacts that you think you might be able to use, but haven't broached yet, okay? At that point, typically it's six months for a writer, sometimes as, as much as 11 months for a writer. Well, our honeymoon period for that book actually is just coming to a close. And now we're on the hunt and looking for opportunities to help promote it and stuff like that, right? So it took like it was released in 21, we're in 23. So two year honeymoon period for that book. So each book that you release, you'll find you have more contacts, more resources, and it builds, each book builds on the next book and you just keep building your career, keep releasing. And it doesn't matter that it's in different genres. That's okay, right? Uh, I thought that, that might be something that would be a detriment, the fact that I'm not concentrating on one genre, but that hasn't been the case. And so, you know, it's just been an incredible journey with them. We have a trilogy coming out this year. It's coming out, actually, the first book should be coming out next month. Um, and there's two more coming out after that, about a month apart. And then we have a backyard garden book, guidebook that's coming out. Um, it's going to walk you through the month by month. Here's the chores. 
that you're going to be looking at, uh, whether you have a greenhouse or acreage or a small garden or a patio garden, it's going to show you some of the chores that are typically done in that month and it helps you with your succession crops and things like that. So you're utilizing the space of your prop property more efficiently and, of course, growing organically, permaculture, all of that biodynamically is the term that we use. Um, so that's what the guidebook is going to be about. And so, yeah, I'll stop there because there's more in the future, but that's where we're working on right now is getting that trilogy out. And then I'm working on that uh, garden manuscript in the in the background here. That is so exciting. And then it's one of those things that, like, I think your timing is pretty spot on. And, and I don't think anything happens by coincidence. I think that, you know, it was all supposed to happen at the timeline that it has happened. But um, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, some of those books sound like really good Christmas presents. Like, because I know oh, people yes, that are, you know, they're looking, yeah, right? Like, they're, they're looking into, you know, moving in that direction. And, and yes. I'm going there's so much information out there. So, you know, if you could actually take it from somebody who's done it and not somebody who just has the education in it, you know, that's even better. So I'm pretty excited. That's when you're going, all right, I think that guy could have that book. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, you raise a good point. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have the education. They've been book taught, you know, but they, have, they haven't done the hands-on experience. They haven't done the trial and error. They haven't climbed out of those ruts and those, those holes. And so they haven't made the mistakes that we all end up making and then can, you know, help other people avoid them. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, it makes yes. a difference. Like I would rather, I yes. would rather go to somebody who has been there, done that, um, and and has that hands on. Even if there was zero textbook knowledge, but you've experienced it and you've repeated yes. the results. I, by all means, you are my go-to source. Oh, thank you, thank you very much for that. Yeah, and I think that's why our blog is so popular. You know, the conscious discussions, or sorry, the uh, from its conscious blog, <laughs> from its conscious blog. Um, uh, it's been going for about twenty years now, almost daily for 20 years. And we have anywhere, well, uh, last month we had, I think 15,000 visits. The month before that we had 17,000. Uh, let's see, September, which I guess would have been last month. We're on October 3rd now. September, we had uh, 28,000. So, you know, we have a variety, a, you know, a good strong audience there. It does fluctuate as things are online, but it's so popular, I think, because of that, because we, we offer that. We have, like, here's a pile of information and people absolutely love that they go in there and they just absorbing it you know it's great it's great to be a part of that that's awesome okay so there are many people who are looking for the, to make these changes but it can be very overwhelming if you just try to jump in head first so what are some practical steps that we can start with either living more sustainably or running a business more sustainably or a little bit of both like let's let's hit on some practical easy steps to get us started okay so you want to start right where you are. Start how you mean to continue. And then start doing it uh, from there. You grow your uh, what you're embracing into your life or your business. Um, you grow that slowly widening circles. So uh, you might start with your home and your business by looking at um, safe, green cleaning supplies. Maybe you can get rid of all of those containers that you're buying all the time full of products that you don't necessarily need to have. And maybe we can start using like vinegar and baking soda and dish soap and hot water, right? Uh, maybe we can get a steamer instead of a carpet cleaner. So we're not buying chemicals, dumping it into our floor, wondering why our pets and kids are sick, right? So these are things that we can now consider and start doing right now today. You're going to save hundreds of dollars a year, a minimum of $700 a year, up to $1,500 a year in cleaning supplies alone, just by making this one changeover, right? Get rid of those 
uh, smelly plug-in things and those smelly sprays and stuff like that, use simple, uh, clean, filtered water with a few drops of, uh, you know, lemon oil or um, lavender oil is my favorite. Not everyone is a fan of lavender, but I like lavender. So I'll put a few drops of lavender in a little mister. I'll go around and I'll mist. And there's my smelly if I need it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you can go natural this way and save, as I say, thousands of dollars every year. And you're going to be reducing how much you're throwing out, how much you're contributing to the recycling and garbage systems. Okay. So we can start there. The second thing we can do is uh, look as a a responsible consumer, a conscious consumer, become aware of the products that we're purchasing. What are we purchasing? Evaluate that. What are we purchasing? Are there alternatives for those things? You know, can we get printer paper that's made with recycled content, you know, simple changes that we can look at that slowly growing greener and greener and greener until we find the right product and just the right situation for our unique situation. Everybody's so unique as to what you're using and what you're doing. Uh, Before we throw something out, can we reuse it? You know, uh, maybe we've got something that's printed on one side or an envelope that came to us and we haven't used the other side. Well, it becomes no paper now as we're studying and we're taking notes while we're listening to that seminar, that webinar, or doing an interview so we don't forget, I got to remember to mention this. So we can have those notes, our shopping list, right? Little things that we can do around our home and our office that can start making a difference. What I would like to see people do is during the downtimes, Uh, of uh, like when you're not so busy, you don't have as many clients coming in. So as many projects come in, now's the time to really evaluate your your in-house policies. How can you improve them? Uh, What is available in your local area? Have you done all the research and found all the return it and mail-in programs and all this? What's going on with the recycling and return it and all these programs? How can we participate in further? Once we start bringing in these things in, so we're collecting our our uh, ink trays from the printer and we're gonna mail them into the company and we have a box sitting there. We have to wait for it to fill. Why can't we then open that up to the public, right? We say to the public, hey, come on in, right? Talk about it on the radio. Get your local uh, district in, uh, aware that you are one of the places that they can list as a place to bring in these things. Go to your local newspaper and send in your press releases. Go online to Facebook groups that are local, Facebook or whatever, and uh, reach those local people and let them know that you are now allowing them to bring in their CFLs, their their batteries, whatever it is that you're personally collecting it, open up to the public. Now you have traffic coming in to your business. So you have a policy on how to handle that. Welcome. Have you heard about this? Here's our brochure. Make sure they know more about your business or your upcoming event or your upcoming fundraiser that you're participating in or your whatever is coming up in your agenda. You can let them know about it, get them to know about your business more, let them know that you welcome them to tell other people. If you have friends or neighbors that would also like to recycle their batteries, let them know. So now they're word of mouth. They're out there telling their friends, they've gone to go play cards with their group or whatever. They're gonna tell people about this experience. And now you got this word of mouth happening. So it's good for business. It's good for you as well, right? Cause you're doing something to make the world a better place. So start there and start branching out from there. Can we look at, you know, running our gardens more organically? Can we turn our landscaping into something that benefits pollinators? Little steps, slowly working your way around until it envelops your entire business and then your entire property. And maybe your downtime too, your vacations, start incorporating this. Uh, maybe when you're strolling your dog around the neighborhood, you're starting to you know, do different things like clean walking or whatever. So just slowly, slowly start bringing these things into your life one step at a time. And once it becomes habit, once it's integrated in your lifestyle, it's a no brainer. It's just something that you do. It's like, you know, putting the, uh, 
pop can in the recycling bin. You know, you just automatically do it now, right? It's no brainer. So once that gets in, in our system, then we go, oh, what's next? Where else can we go with this? What else can we do? How much more can we do? If we're running an e-newsletter, a bulletin, um, a blog, we run a Facebook group or something along those lines. Can we then use that to increase other people's awareness of what's going on in the community to let them know that, hey, the people that we're buying from are have just upgraded their system and they've got solar power going on and isn't this cool. So it may not have anything to do with us or our community. It might be somebody that is a supplier of ours and we're going to celebrate them and we're going to let them know we're celebrating them, right? So it's going to encourage that business to continue on that road, right? So there's so much we could do, like so much. As a writer, how can we make a difference and get coverage? I'll tell you what I did this last couple of years and it's been incredible. I, I absolutely encourage you to do this with your books. So get involved with local events, conferences. Maybe they could use your book as a door prize. Okay. There's fairs going on all the time. You know, at your rec center, they might be doing spring displays of, you know, all flowers and landscapers and equipment and all kinds of stuff around display. And you walk around and you see the food booths and stuff like that. Well, they have contests. Maybe there's someone with a booth there that would be really interested in holding a contest for one of your books or a gift certificate for one of your services or a product that you've produced. Why can't you get involved and start networking with these people who have booths, who are the organizers of these events and offer your product, your service, your gift certificate as a door prize or as a prize for their contests or any of those kinds of things. There is uh, locally there, you know, the Santa parade. And so while they didn't have a contest at the, you know, parade itself, the people who put on the event and all the people who did the floats and all the volunteers, they got together afterwards and they had this celebratory dinner and, you know, gatherings. And so we offered our books there as prizes for like door prizes, just, you know, special awareness. Hey, this person went above and beyond. Here's their prize. They're up there announcing this to this group, right? So you're getting lots of coverage. You know, they might be uh, printing it in their publications and putting posts out about your giving out these prizes and you're helping them. Spring Fair, Blossom Festivals. Uh, re just recently, we participated in the Crescent Agricultural Bursary fund uh, Fundraiser. They do a silent auction fundraiser every year. So you'll see certain things are annual or biannual and you know they're coming up because you've made a note. You might've missed it this year, make a note of it. So next year you can pay attention. You may not be able to do them all because there's going to be thousands of these kinds of events happening perhaps monthly in your area. So you just, you choose what is most doable now? What do you think is going to give you the most coverage now? Also based on what you have in supply, you have several of this book in on hand. So what are you going to do with that book or that product in order to maximize your exposure? Then you take that you say, okay, I'm going to write some articles about my experience. I'm going to put out some press releases. I'm going to do some posts about this. And so you also are doing the uh, maximizing that event, that activity, and getting promotions out of it on your end. But you know that those organizers, those volunteers, those participants are also out there talking about you and writing about you and the experience with your book and stuff like that too. So I really encourage people to get involved with that. It's so easy to get involved with these silent auction fundraisers or to help your local school raise funds for the park that they're trying to build or whatever. It's so easy to get involved and just contribute these kinds of things. And it's really good exposure too. Absolutely. And I think networking is, it's crucial. And, and we kind of take it for granted because we think, you know, I've written a book and I've published it. And therefore, now that it's on Amazon, everybody's going to find it and see it. But the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is <laughs> there's a lot that goes into marketing and selling the book that you have put all yes. of that time and effort into writing and creating a network, whether, you know, it's with other authors or businesses or your readers in general, like you have to make these connections in order to be successful. Because 
you know, if, if nobody actually knows who you are or that you've written a book, you know, your book <laughs> is just going to sit there floating in cyberspace for just waiting for somebody to stumble upon it, which could take forever. Yeah. So yes. And, you know, a lot of people are, have the misconception that what they experience during their launch, the first 90 days of their launch is how it's always going to be. You yeah. know, that is the most exciting part where, you know, and you're putting out these releases and your people that you know you've told your family your cousins your cousin's cousin you've you know so you've spread the word now what you know and as you say you know there are uh well after covid right after covid time period about a year after the big you know collapse of society and everything people were putting a lot of energy into these projects that they weren't doing before their dream oh I'll, maybe i'll try to produce publish my poetry book or whatever during that time about a year after that shutdown there were 3,000 books being published on Amazon in the United States alone every day for about a month. It was crazy, right? Like normally it's it's a thousand or so books being published. It like tripled down and all at once. So it was this big flush in the market. So when you have those big flushes in the market, everything else is affected by that, you know? And so it can really be, you can have dramatic effects as to how much exposure you're going to get, um, how many impressions your ads are going to get, all of that, because if everybody's doing it. So we need to find unique ways of standing out. How am I going to stand out among those 30 billion books that are out there, you know? And um, especially if you're in a saturated market, um, how are you going to stand out among that genre of books as well? So, you know, there's there's some little intricacies of figuring that out, being consistent, having a plan, have an action plan. So what we do is we have a five-year business plan. So every uh, three or four years, we go back, we reevaluate that five-year plan. Did we accomplish what we were hoping to do? What were the the things that were, what were the challenges? How might we address that or adjust our uh, policies or whatever, our activities in order to accommodate that and bring that into the current five-year plan? With that five-year plan, we break it down into five years. So we now have an annual plan. I know what our goals are for this year. We may not always accomplish everything on that plan. It's actually pretty rare, um, but we have a plan. We have an action plan. We know what we're doing first. We know what's coming up and what we have to do to prepare for that project in three months or whatever. So we need to have everything in place before we, right? So you, you having that plan really helps you not become overwhelmed because it's so easy to get into that state of overwhelm. You're like, oh my gosh. And everybody's telling you what you should do. And, you know, and everybody's got a long list of these shoulds that we have to pile on our shoulders as artists, as writers. And so we have to sort of shed that, shed those shoulds and choose things that are working for us now. If you see something that's working for you right now, double down on that. Double down on that. 80% yes. of your work should be on that. But don't count on that working tomorrow. Tomorrow, everything could change. And something else that you're doing is now working. And so you got to whoop, got to double down on this now. Even if you have plans over here and you're like, I'd really like to do these things. But my action, so you have to sort of choose where you're going to put your energy and find that balance, you know, so that you can still be creative. It's very difficult to be a creative person. And, and that is your job as your entrepreneur, because finding those moments to be creative and to develop your creativity and develop your skills and just play in the field so that you're not reaching burnout um, because, because it's something you love and you turn it into a business, it, become, it can become deadened and hardened and uh, you start feeling underwhelmed and overwhelmed, you know, overwhelmed by everything you have to do, underwhelmed by the results, exhausted, right? So have a plan, pace it out and... Um, you know, just be really flexible. And and that is the best tips I could possibly offer for anyone out there as a writer. 
Yes. And that is, that is fantastic advice because um, as a creative person, I do tend to um, hyper-focus sometimes when, when I get really excited about something, but then I've done it so hard for so long that I do hit that burnout stage. And so I have learned that you have to take a step back and you have to say, you know what, all good things come in time. Like that is something I have to remind myself over and over again is that time is my friend. It's not working against yes. me. You know, I, yeah, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So I'm going to do the best I can today with what I've got, but chances are I do have tomorrow coming. Therefore, I'm going to work and and towards whatever I have on the, the goal set for tomorrow. Um, you know, and I'm right. just going to work today to get to tomorrow. And so, um, but goal setting and goal achieving is one of the greatest forms of motivation, like in, in human psychology, like setting goals and achieving those goals that will literally motivate your mind to do the next thing uh, and staying on task and staying on that plan. And so um, I, I highly agree with you that setting goals and working towards those goals, um, that's the best thing and, and any creative person can do. But I, have, I can speak from the writer standpoint that, yes, make a plan, stick to the plan. There's this meme that goes around that's like it came from a TV show where they're like, you know, there's four steps. You you make the plan, you you act out the plan and then eventually you throw the plan away because the plan doesn't work. And I'm like, you know, that's don't throw away the plan. Just, just be flexible no. and adjust your plans. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know, you're 80% more likely as human beings are 80% more likely to uh, enact on a goal. If we've written it down and we've created a plan around it, you don't just say, Oh, I want to be a bestseller. <laughs> right. You think about what is achievable, what is doable this year. And then you create that plan and you break it down into doable steps. And you, every day you work towards that you're not always going to be able to accomplish your long list of things that you have to do every single day. It's just not going to happen. But if you have that plan in place, you're more centered, you're most more focused, you hold yourself accountable, you know, what's coming up, right. And it's okay to set things aside. You know, it really is okay to set things aside and come back to it later. It doesn't mean we're saying no to that thing. We're just setting it aside because something else has taken precedence up in our, in our time. We have to look at our life as a, as an entrepreneur, as, um, almost in these hourly allotments, right? We have this many hours of energy and mental focus to put into our careers, yes. whether it's marketing it or building our business or creating products, whatever it is that we're gonna be focusing on, that's how many hours we have. And so we have to sort of prioritize what is doable today. You know, can I get something off of my schedule that is gonna make me feel better and is gonna make me feel less stressed so that tomorrow I can focus more entirely on this other bigger, deeper project or something like that. So, and don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, there's so many resources out there. A really yes. good resource is Brian Cohen. Go on Facebook, yes. look at B-R-Y-A-N-C-O-H-E-N. And he has phenomenal courses that he puts out for free on Amazon advertising. He offers a fantastic podcast where he features all kinds of uh, expert marketing guests. And so, and this is free. His his school, of course, is not free. It's something you have to pay into. Um, but the amount of information that I've been able to glean from him, plus all the courses I've taken and studies I've done on my own, has created this you know, concept that I'm really able to work with now more on the e-commerce side, the, you know, advertising and all of that. You know, we were saying uh, earlier that things take time to percolate. And that's a really good example with the, with the advertisings. Um, we're putting out those ads, uh, waiting for them to percolate in the system, waiting them for Amazon to, you know, say, okay, you're getting these kinds of impressions and these kinds of clicks and whatever. So we're seeing that ad is more relevant. And because that ad is seen as more relevant than your whole portfolio for that list of campaigns is now going to be looked at as being maybe more relevant. They'll reconsider some of your older ads. And so all that algorithmy thing is happening. So as 
they generate and they keep germinating and germinating online and growing the system you know moves them forward and it grows and it percolates so it's it's just like that you know every step you take adds on to the next one every article you write adds on to your career and it's just it's an interesting growth process because you realize it's all accumulative it's you know it didn't just happen overnight it happened over an accumulative time period of uh proactive thoughtful conscious action and and it's really impressive what you can get out of it you never know where your support's going to come from i have this really sweet friend of mine who i met uh through gardening uh she came to get something from the garden i think and then since then we became really good friends and she's a sweet elderly lady and she is one of my greatest word of mouth promoters out there she absolutely loves this in our books she every time she goes to a wedding she says she buys a copy of our cookbook and gives it to them as a wedding present she always she's always telling people online about us and stuff like you just never know where these connections and where these these supporters are going to come from for you and so it's really fun you know when you get that that wonderful support and it really is it just boosts your day and it makes everything so much better yeah, so just keep plugging along. As long as you're making forward movement, you're doing good. Yeah, yes. And I think one of the important things that um, you have to remind yourself is, you know, we always take the time to budget our finances. And sometimes mm -hmm. we forget that we have to budget our time and our energy and just, just <laughs> our bandwidth in general. You know, yes. like, what am I capable of today? And and don't don't try to set lofty goals. Make sure that you can afford the goals that you set. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, the scheduling is the only thing that works for me. I like you. I don't have as, as much of a farm as you, but, you know, the double lot that I have and it's all garden space and stuff. So, you know, there's a lot going on during certain seasons where I have to. OK, well, I can't do as much in the office during peak harvest season. I just can't. I'm only one person. You know, I've got all this stuff I have to process and, you know, freeze or whatever. And so there's our time periods. And so you have to be OK with that and just say, OK, well, right now my kids are really active in their baseball and I have to concentrate on that right now. That doesn't mean that stops. It's just, I'm refocusing my energy so I can have a whole life um, yes. and still run my business. You know, it, it's just uh, slowly take things on, always make that forward movement. And when times are slow, look at how you can improve yourself. Uh, how can I grow myself as an entrepreneur? How can I understand the business more effectively? Um, how can I learn how to connect with others more effectively? How can I learn more what's going on in my community so that I can connect with that more effectively in the years to come? So it's always, you know, if you're not doing something that's moving your business in a forward movement or or creating some, uh, you know, content in some regard, then you're going to be looking at how can I improve myself? How can I improve my skills, my knowledge? Yeah. Oh, yes. Um You've, you've pretty much, I didn't have to ask a lot of questions because we just kind of, it flowed through our conversation and I was like, oh, well, we can just skip that question. Oh, he's, we, like we just, we hit it, all the highlights, but let's okay. open it up. Like what's, what's something that you want to just kind of throw out there, talk about um, open floor. Open floor. Okay. Well, um, I think as a, as an entrepreneur, uh, as a writer, for me, one of the greatest uh, assets that I have is I use a spreadsheet. I know people are going to go, oh, gosh, you're going to want me to keep records of all this stuff. But honestly, I find it really, really helpful. So when it comes to anyone that I've queried, anyone that I have created some sort of connection with or attempted to create a connection with, I'm making a quick note on a spreadsheet. All I'm just doing is saying the name of their business, the contact name, their email, their website. On the side, the very last column is going to have a square for taking notes. So if I've had a response from them, I'm just going to say date, bullet form positive response about networking. And so next time I go six months later, I'm looking through my files and I'm like, oh, I want to do my follow-ups. I can, I know exactly 
what stage I'm at with that person, whether I've heard from them or not, whether I need to do like a follow-up on that cold call, or if I'm following up on a conversation we've had. I try to do my follow-ups annually. So right around the end of January, beginning of February, after the holidays, before tax season, when everybody's getting too busy to handle things, right in that time period is perfect for doing follow-ups. So I'm going through and I've had an interaction with uh, uh, in a magazine editor who featured us and then maybe they published an article later on that year and now I'm connecting with them and I'm saying you know what we happen to do interviews with uh, publications like yours people behind the scenes of making that publication possible so would you like to come on to my blog so I'm going to connect with them offering something if I don't have something to offer when I'm doing my follow-up I'm going to say um based on the conversation or the previous article you published or something I saw in your magazine recently, I feel that I could contribute this new article idea based on that as a follow-up to what you published or as a follow-up to the article or conversation we had, taking it further, deeper. Are you interested in that? So you're following up on every conversation you've had, whether it was a cold call or whether it was a positive finished thing, you're, you think it's done, it's never done. You follow up with them, you offer them something, you, you connect them with someone. You know that they're interested in something and you know someone else has that. You can be the go-between, the in-between that connects them. Now you're the guru, you're the resource, you're the person that they call, they connect with. And so you become known as that in your connections and that solidifies those relationships. So all that work you put into all that year, you now are able to you know, reuse it, reuse it and reuse it. And it just, it builds one year upon another, will build on. We have relationships going back decades where, you know, even if their publication is no longer or their radio show is no longer in existence, we're still connecting in different ways. Maybe they've moved to another region or another, they're working with another publication or in another uh, industry entirely. But my connection with that individual remains, right? So I can follow that individual in their life, where they're going and find ways of, of reconnecting with them and supporting them and offering them something or contributing in some way and just always building those relationships. It's really a valuable thing to do. Um, we put all that work into researching that person we sent that query letter out. Maybe we didn't hear back from them. They're busy. Their email got overloaded. Maybe it got sent to their, I don't know, spam or junk folder or something like that. There's no reason why we can't follow up with them as well. Hey, I reached out in, in February last year uh, about this. Um, you know, I realized you must, you know, you might be busy and all of that. I was just checking in with you. You have this way of just finding ways of, of reconnecting with that person, even if you didn't, they didn't respond to your first query letter or something like that. And you'll, the relationships that you build with, will carry you forward years and years and years of that. And it's such a powerful thing. Uh, initially, you might have maybe 300 people that year you've connected with, right? But then you have that 300 people and the next year is 300 people. And then the next year's 300. So now you got like 1,500 people or whatever in your contact list that you're reconnecting with. And so every time you have a new something new to announce, you can use that as a way of reconnecting with them too. Hey, I just started this blog. Hey, I just started this podcast. Look at this new book I released. Uh, you know, all of these new happenings can be fodder for reconnecting with them if it's appropriate to reconnect with them about that. So um, it's just such a valuable tool to have. A lot of people I know when I've given advice or, you know, uh, spoken in groups for writers groups, you can almost hear the groan like, oh, you know, now I got to keep records of all of this. But it really is important. It really does build your career so exponentially faster than you can imagine by doing that one thing, keeping a record of your contacts and following up with them every year.
Absolutely. And I think that um, to kind of tack onto that is when you are establishing and, and nurturing these relationships, make sure that you're adding value to the relationship and not just constantly yes. trying to suck dry the relationship. Yes. Um, you know, that's that's kind of a, a tricky balance because you don't want to look like I'm trying to sell you something. But at the same time, you know, you are trying to sell something and but you have to add value as, at the same time. Well, you want to show that you're you're supporting them. So yeah. you're not always contacting, like you say, to, to get exposure out through them. You're saying, hey, I met someone that I think would be a great client or maybe a really good guest for you. And you're connecting them with that. Uh, You're showing them a resource. You're saying, hey, I'd love to feature you on my blog for an interview. Or, you know, if if you have an article at some point that you would like to contribute, I would be glad to publish it on my blog for you. You're offering something. You're always opening with something that you're offering. You want to do something that makes their life easier. Why should they want to work with me? So how am I going to stand out? They're getting like 500 emails a day, some of these people. I get up to 300 emails a day, right? So I'm gleaning through my emails. Who am I going to respond to? You know, who's bringing me the most value or, you know, mm-hmm. out of that c- uh, communication? And so, and what's doable today? So that's what they're facing too. So how am I going to make them want to work with me? You know, and one of the ways of doing that is through uh, previous activities with them. If they know that you have done everything you can to promote the event, uh, that you guys work together on, whatever it is, that project. You've shouted from the rooftops through all of your resources. You've liked, you've friended them, you've followed them, you've subscribed to everything they have. You've recommended them. You've written posts about them. You've shared and commented and liked their posts online and things like that. They're going to want to work with you. Absolutely. You're going to be in their memory and they're going to want to work with you. So you have to be a little more proactive about the behind the scenes of nurturing those relationships. Definitely. And, and to do it genuinely too, because there, there are some, you know, there, you can tell when someone's being genuine and and they're genuinely interested in you and your work. And, and the same is true for, they can tell when you are genuinely interested in their work as well. And so, you know, to make sure that you're doing this, um, not as the, the sleazy salesman, but as the person who genuinely wants to see, even if they're not your friend, your acquaintance, your colleague, whomever succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a, um, a guest who, it's really funny. Her podcast actually aired airs tomorrow, but we did this interview months ago because that's how you know my schedule works out or what have you. Yeah. And over the last couple of months since that interview, we have we have collaborated on like she's got a really big Kickstarter coming out tomorrow, and um, we've we've collaborated on some things. She was like, "Hey, because I have you as a resource, and I really appreciate this about you. Can we do this?" And I'm like, "Yes." And can you do this? And it became a mm-hmm. relationship and a partnership in a lot of ways because we were genuinely interested in each other's success. And and so if you will nurture those relationships, there are mutual benefits involved down the road. Sometimes you just, you won't see them immediately, but they are there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great example. You know, you, you want to go into it with, I want to nurture this relationship. I want to grow this relationship as opposed to what can I get out of it today? Yes. So, you know, you might be doing all kinds of things behind the scenes with that person, um, helping them is sharing stuff about them, working with them. If they're in a project that you can get behind, you know, what are they doing in their business life? Are they doing something that you can celebrate with your audience? You know, you really want to share those kinds of things. It's the same, like if I've brought, if I've decided to work with a supplier because they've switched over to green energy and I want to support them, or maybe they've decided that they're going to uh, donate a portion of their funds to a charity that I can get behind. So I'm going to celebrate that, not because I'm getting anything out of them or because I think I'm going to get a discount the next time I order or any of that, but I'm going to celebrate it. And then I'm going to let them know that I celebrated it. So sometimes it's more of like a behind the scenes thing. Hey, did you know, I just did a, uh, an article on my blog about 
what I read about you and you were mentioned and your activities were mentioned. I just wanted to let you know. And then the other person's like, wow, that's a surprise. And they go and they check it out. And that's really cool. And then they're going to share and like and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely a collaborative thing. You're working at building these relationships, looking at, you know, how this can grow, how you can grow each other over a long term period. Um, you know, you worked hard to make those connections and get to know that person. You don't want to let that activity just fade away into nothing. You want it to grow and evolve and move forward so that everybody benefits. Definitely. Absolutely. So speaking of collaborations and getting to know other people's businesses, tell us about yours. Tell us about your media group and what you do and how we can connect with you through that. Oh, thank you very much. Well, Bremit Media Group is the business, yes. <laughs> and um, it's been going on for about, I think, about 26, 27 years now. Uh, so it's evolved over time today. It involves the two blogs, the Brummett's Conscious blog and the Drummit with Brummett blog. So we talked about the Brummett's Conscious blog. The Drummit with Brummett blog is geared for drummers, uh, percussionists. Mu musicians on a whole can get a lot out of the blog because we talk about like at you know, behind the scenes of working with people in the studio, what different music titles mean. We talk about different genres of music and being on the road and packing up your gear and how to deal with mics and blah, blah, blah. But also it's got the main focus towards drummers and percussions, really heavy focus towards that. So I encourage people to check that out. Uh, there's a section on there where Dave will answer questions. So if you submit your music related question or music teaching or on the road or studio related uh, questions, he can answer those on the blog for them. So that's a really neat, fun thing for him to do uh the the six books on amazon of course and more coming out in the future we also have uh the studio which is in the lower half of our home and so we teach well dave teaches students they come in um, to learn percussion and drums for the most part we do workshops private lessons family groups you know corporate groups uh, large and small groups um very intimate in our when it's held in our in our home have size about maybe eight eight uh, participants at a time and um, so that's what Dave does down there uh, he is responsible for all of our audio and graphics and video trailers and website maintenance and stuff like that he handles all of that nitty-gritty behind the scenes technical stuff um, and uh, we work together to collaborate on um, releasing new books uh, we have the three coming out and two more behind that after this we have the intent of taking um, Dave's percussion accessories that he's been uh, inventing and using on the road and what have you uh, onto an e-commerce level. So we're gonna be releasing them to the public, but first we have to get our strategic projects done so our schedule is clear and we can move on to the next thing. So that's kind of where we're at right now is clearing up that project and uh, moving forward. Yeah, so it's just been a lot of fun. I, I love writing. I love uh, playing with words and sharing things that I'm passionate about. Uh, there is a time in the future where I really want to be releasing short stories, get into the fantasy fiction um, creativity uh, for the public. I play in it privately, but I would really like to bring that out and release those as well. But uh, one step at a time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, because because like we have said, it's real easy to be like, oh, I want to do everything. And you, oh, yes. you, can't. you cannot do you it can't. all right now. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, case in point, you know, when I used to run the radio show, uh, now I have a YouTube channel uh, that I run casually. Uh, but um, before I ran this this radio show, it was such an intense amount of work dealing with the different guests and booking, you know, five to six months in advance and all the promotions and all the activities behind the scenes of maintaining it. And I, as much as I loved it, I ended up having to let it go because it was taking too much of those few hours that I had to work with and I needed to focus on other things. And sometimes you have to kind of make that personal sacrifice as much as you love that. Sometimes you have to say, 
can't really do that right now and move on to something else. <laughs> I feel that deeply. I, um, you know, I, as much as I love the podcast and, and you know, uh, I've got it scheduled to where there will be shows through mid-July and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I can't tell the future between now and then. So anything could happen. I can, my schedule could open way up or it could become very tight. And so right now I'm just like, I'm enjoying the ride and we will see what happens come June. <laughs> you know, we'll just one day at a time yes. and see what happens. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, the nice thing with, with a podcast like this too, is you can work so far in advance. You can yeah. have like pre-recorded and release them as as time allows for your schedule whatever you've decided your publication schedule is going to be and so that can be very helpful when it's a live radio you don't really have that <laughs> you're live and yes, anything no, that I happens live, oh yeah the dog starts barking you know good luck with that right so yeah no it's <laughs> editing yeah the edit editing is very different <laughs> yeah, yeah there is none <laughs> yeah. No, I totally yeah. get it. Like, because you know, this month, I, I, my entire month is covered up. The only day that I'm not recording are Wednesdays. Those are the only days I don't record this month. And, um, right. and some days there are two a day because I want to work ahead and have them all, you know, squared away so that right. I can open up to, you know, come next month I can focus on my next work in progress. You know, I'll have my book back from the editor. We can finalize that, and I will start on my next one. And so I don't have to worry about all of this. But, I love that. I love yeah. that you have that mindset, very business mindset. So you know, you have a plan. You know that this project is coming up in the near future. And so before then, you're double downing on these other activities yes. that are going to free up your schedule for being able to focus on that project. And that is the importance of having that action plan, knowing what's coming up so you can plan for it, do what needs to be done now so you can you can focus on that project. I love that. That's perfect. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it, I, and I am a very like logically minded person in schedules and lists. Like I live by them. I have two different planners for two different things and a calendar on my wall right now. And so I look in different right. places and I'm like, this is what's happening here, here, and here. And uh, but and and it doesn't have to be that complicated, you know. Like just make you a to do list every single day if that's the best you can do right now. Just work with what you've got and what you know is coming. And 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 understand that it does require sacrifice because you know I don't have the free time to go have lunch with my best friend on Friday because I have a schedule that I have to follow. But come November, I am free, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you well, you know, you bring up a really good point that as a as an entrepreneur, we also have to train the people around us. Yes, which isn't always easy to do. There yes. are lots of times when people don't uh, don't have a concept of what it takes to run a business from home, yep. and so for them, you're at home, and it's convenient for them to drop by. So what's the problem? But maybe you're in an interview and now they set off the dogs and the doorbell's ringing and you can't do anything about it. Or, you know, you're in the middle of concentrating on a project and they have come and they've disrupted your mindset and it took a while for you to get there. So now it's broken. And then you're trying to gather those thoughts. What was I thinking and how, where was I taking that character or whatever you were working on is now disrupted and you might lose precious little gems. And so for me, I'm very selfish about that. <laughs> I'm like, er, this is my time, you know? And so I had to like train people around me. You can't just drop by. You can't just ring the doorbell. If I think that I might be getting a delivery, I'm going to put a sign out on the door. Don't ring the doorbell, live interview in progress or something. So I'm always going to have thinking about contingencies, but also just training people just because I work from home doesn't mean that I'm actually available just because I didn't drive away <laughs> and go to another office. I'm still in my office. And so your family, your kids, everybody has to be trained to understand that this is what's happening and to, and to respect that for you. It, it is very difficult for others to understand that. Um, sometimes a family can get, you know, want to dump things on you. And sometimes you want to take them on. Oh, sure. You know, I can do your laundry. Oh, sure. I can do that chore for you or go get that for you. But before you know it, your whole day is burnt out doing all these things for other people and you haven't concentrated on your business, which is your paycheck. And so you have to, you know, 
you have to set up those barriers and really train people and be strict about it. It's not always going to go across, come across um, easy. Some people are going to have a problem with that. Um, especially I think the older generation, yes. they tend to think like, what's the problem? You know, yeah. it was perfect time for me to drop by <laughs> and I'd like to have a tea now, or I, I was thinking of you and I bought these flowers for you. Generous and kind thought, but not now, you know? And so you have to like be very, very disciplined with people and eventually they'll get it. Um, but you know, be gentle, but be, you know, stand up for yourself, book that time for you. Yes. Absolutely. Boundaries don't make you selfish. And that's true in every part of your life. If you need boundaries, you set them and you maintain those boundaries and you enforce those boundaries. Because I had very similar um, instances, both both times um, I was I was gearing up for like my final edits were, were due on Friday and come Monday, I had a message from my father-in-law asking if I could help edit some photos. And I was like, I can edit one photo a day because it's going to take me a couple hours. I'm not a photo editor. So it's going to take me some time right. to, to work through it. And, um, and then to get his feedback. And I said, I can do one a day, maybe. So it might be Friday. It might be next week before you get him back. And he was like, Oh, and I was like, yeah, my schedule is, is full. Like, and I've been in the family for over 20 years. So it's not like they don't know what I do. Right. It's, right. it's just one of those things. Um, and then this morning, my parents call, they called me both yesterday. They left messages yesterday. I did not return their calls because it was a full day. I mean, I was set up to sundown mm -hmm. and they could have texted me and said, Hey, are you busy? Instead, when I answered this morning, they said, Oh, are you talking to us today? And I was like, it depends on how the next sentence comes out of your mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, I've, I have a business that I am working on and I have told yes. you about this business and I have been doing this business. And so, but they do see it as I have more flexibility when the fact of the matter is my schedule is probably stricter than theirs and they go to a nine to five, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nine to five and they're done, you know, whereas when you're running a, a, as an entrepreneur, you're putting in, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours easily in a day. Some days you won't be putting in as much because you're working the farm or in the garden or, you know, dealing with the family but mm -hmm. on average you're putting in much longer hours and not necessarily during a normal work time frame you know nine to five you might be working until midnight one night you might be doing an interview with someone in Australia so you have to get up at three o'clock in the morning for that interview you don't know where your time is going to be and so it can be you know they really have to respect that and it can be so difficult for uh, some people to understand yeah absolutely I've been through it and, and still I still have a couple of neighbors actually that is just like oh my gosh you know they just don't seem to understand and and I like what you said about returning the message the next day. I think that's really important that we have to understand that um, when it comes to running our business, it's not about feelings, right? Um, so, you know, if there's uh, five people that keep calling and leaving voicemails and we don't have time to deal with them right now uh, in our schedule and we get back to them a couple of days later, that's the way it is for myself. I'm uh, often dealing with meetings or interviews or I'm concentrating on a project. So my phone is turned off almost all the time. I don't have the ringer on almost all the time, but I'll check it several times a day. And if there's something that I need to get back to and I have time to get back to it, I will get back to it. It's like there's a reason why there's voicemail and, and texting and email. And they know that they can leave those messages and I will get back to them. Um, it just may not be right away. And so, you know, and I have to be okay with that too. You know, even if it's like, uh, you know, an elderly aunt, you know, who just wants to talk on the phone and I don't have an hour and a half to dedicate to a phone yes. conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to make those calls and, or, you know, those decisions. Right. Where you, as you say, it's not selfish to set up boundaries. I love that sentence. I'm going to use it myself. It's it isn't selfish to set up boundaries. It's a part of mental health, taking care it of is. yourself and understanding what, because otherwise what happens is you end up doing all these things. You can't meet up 
to anyone's expectations, let alone your own. You get upset with yourself and you look in the mirror, so to speak. And now you're feeling like um, resentful of these people. You start feeling resentful and you've kind of allowed that to happen because you haven't set up those boundaries. So we have to step back and say, okay, well, it's not necessarily, I'm not going to point the finger at anyone, but I'm going to start setting up boundaries for myself so that I don't feel those feelings anymore. Oh, yes. And this is this is one of those topics that I can get on a soapbox and we could go for hours on it because <laughs> it, it has taken me almost 40 years to learn how to set up boundaries and that boundaries are not right. selfish because um, because we are, especially in this world where there's this instant need for um, texting, you know, that 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 whole you have read receipts yeah. on. And so you can see and I'm like, no, nobody gets a read receipt for me. You're not going to see except my husband and my kid. They will know when I've read their messages. You don't need to know when I've read your message and, and I will get back to you when I get back to you, because there is this pressure of, you know, you need to talk to me right now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I can't because <laughs> I may not have anything left to give. And you probably don't want me to talk to you after, you know, a, an eight to 10 hour day of interacting with people. You need me to take a day before we contact yes. each other again. <laughs> yes. And you know, when you're as an entrepreneur and a creative person, because those are two very separate mm-hmm. aspects of your brain, um, you can get like exhausted, mentally exhausted. Yes. And sometimes the strain of putting two sentences together in a in a personal conversation can be just like, ugh, you're just you're so exhausted. And so you almost have to be like, okay, well, I, I want to deal with that when my brain is refreshed <laughs> and I can deal with these personal communications in a more, you know proper and friendly manner and not be so tired and exhausted and not be able to process what they're saying or, you know, say things the way I want it to or things like that. Because so yes. many mistakes can be made otherwise. So it's so much easier to just look after yourself and do it when it's the right time for you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I want, I want you to get my best too. I want to give you my best and I want you to receive right. my best. And, and there are times where if that's what you're demanding, it's not going to be my best, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. After a long day, I can be so exhausted, you know, and uh, communicating and writing and all of this and mm-hmm. the brain just stops. Yeah. And, you know, my, my husband will come home from work and he's trying to hold a conversation with me or, or worse, he'll try to teach me something, you know, oh, let me show you how this is done. Yeah. Now there's not a good time for that, sweetie, you know, like just not now because it's just, it's not going to work, you know? So yeah, I have to, re- you know, be patient with myself, be understanding of myself and say, okay, I, I need to, you know, when my brain is working again, we'll talk, you know, <laughs> yes, 100% and, and maybe read the room when you walk in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So what is, uh, there've been so many like massive, not even just nuggets, but like massive piece, massive, massive pieces of information that we've just dropped. But like, what is the one thing that you want somebody, if they could hear nothing else, what do you want them to walk away with today? Oh, be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process, you know, number one, you know, just, just be okay with being flexible and knowing that even though you have a plan, not everything is going to be on that straight and narrow path it's going to be really windy and up and down but having a plan is going to help you but be patient along the way be patient with yourself because you're not always going to be at 100 percent. be okay with that and um yeah set up those boundaries like she was saying yes. i love that set up those boundaries it's not a selfish act to do I love that. Oh, yes. Oh That's my such gosh. a mantra yeah. I got to tell myself, honestly. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> and it's not that you have to repeat until it becomes a thing. And and even then right. you're going to second guess yourself. You're going to be like, yep. oh, maybe I'm being selfish. But the fact of the matter is, if it threatens your well-being, your mental health, your time, your, you know, your goals, if it threatens that, it's not selfish to, to say no. <laughs> That's right. No. To take care of yourself. And maybe you need to like cocoon yourself for a week and, you know, baby yourself until you're ready to go into the next whatever you know there are times when we come out of a project as an entrepreneur as an author uh, or a creative person 
you come out of it so exhausted. It's like a wrung out rag and it's like a skanky rag. You know, it needs to go in the laundry. It needs to be hung on the line. It needs some vacation time. It needs to be folded and put in the cupboard and lie fallow for a while before you bring it out and start working with it again. You know, it kind of feels that way sometimes. It does. And that is such a great mental image because I can picture it. And I know exactly like at the end of August, that's where I was because I did another round of like everyday interviews and just bam, bam, bam. And by the end of it, because I, by nature, I am an introvert. Like I am an extroverted introvert where having this conversation, I'm going to go sit for an hour by myself and process and and decompress because, but you know, not everybody can see that. And so they don't understand. And so boundaries matter and just, and taking care of yourself matters. Absolutely. Yeah. Mental health matters. Yeah. And knowing yourself, like you say, I'm the same way. I got to contemplate things before and after, you know, and probably a lot after (laughs) it just keeps going around in the head, you know, but, uh, but knowing that that's my personality and allowing for that is, is good. You know, don't, don't try to be something that you're not, don't try to do something that you're not comfortable with. So for instance, those shoulds that everybody wants to put on your shoulders, you know, should you be producing videos on TikTok? Is that really your, um, your thing? Is it something you're comfortable doing or comfortable learning how to do? Is it something that you can consistently keep in your schedule and, and maintain? Or is it something that maybe you are thinking about exploring in the future. So these are things that we can pick and choose from. We don't have to do everything all the time Mm -hmm. and just be okay with that. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Well, I think that, like I said, we've covered, we've run the gamut. We really have, like we've hit (laughs) it all and it's it's been so good and enlightening and I would sit here for another hour, um, but I do have uh, another interview that I have to prep for because I can't get enough of people. (laughs) (laughs) I just really enjoyed the conversation, Jennifer. Thanks for having me here today. I I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. So did I. And all of your um, information, your website and your blogs and your books and how to get to them, it's all going to be in the show notes. And so anybody that wants to will be able to find you just by the click of a button. So, um, and I really hope that I, I can't wait to see what happens next because I know that I know you've got a plan and I can't wait to see that plan come to fruition. 